Broadcasting from Singapore and broadcasting all around the world. You're listening to the Ignite EdTech Podcast with Craig Kemp, taking the pulse of educators from all over the globe and bringing what you need every week. When you need answers, you go to the experts. Created by an educator for educators and streaming to the world. Now, over to your host, Craig Kemp. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Ignite EdTech podcast. I'm your host, Craig Kemp, and I'm thrilled to have your support. Most of you know I continue to work with the incredibly talented Mark Quinn to improve the final audio quality of this podcast. He has his own podcast production studio that provides editing and mastering services to content creators. To connect with Mark, please see the details in the podcast notes below. And if you haven't followed his Make a Difference podcast, I highly encourage you to do so in your podcast channel of choice. Last week, I encouraged you to think about design thinking. Thank you for sharing as always. Check out our social streams for more. This week, I wanted to ask about how you measure the efficacy of edtech products. We will explore this idea later in this episode, but first, I wanted to hear your ideas. How do you assess the pedagogical quality, usability, and effectiveness of the edtech tools that you use in your school or classroom? How do you judge what tools to use, and how to use them, and why? Please share with me via our Ignite EdTech social streams. I look forward to hearing from you soon. A tool that has positively impacted the authentic and purposeful use of technology into classrooms and meeting rooms that I have worked in is ZMaps. ZMaps is an online mapping service. It allows you to easily create, publish, and share interactive maps. You can construct dynamic visualizations of geographic information, producing maps from your list of locations. You can, for instance, create maps of places you plan to visit with students, or share maps of specific locations you have visited. And although it displays Google Maps, ZMaps is not affiliated with Google and has its own servers where all created maps are stored. There's a lot you can do with the free version, and I've seen this used incredibly well across a range of age groups and subject areas. I highly recommend you take a look at ZMaps.com. The link is in the description below. Last week, we talked about design thinking and how it fits into any classroom. If you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to last week's episode. This week, I wanted to focus on evaluating the efficacy of edtech tools in our schools. When you think about the plethora of tools we use on a daily basis in our personal lives, let alone our professional lives, it's mind-blowing. Sometimes, we need to stop, look back, and assess the why and how we use tools to add value to learning, especially if it's student-facing. We need to look past the marketing from edtech companies and focus instead on the student and teacher experience and, of course, the built-in engagement features. There are a number of factors that educators need to consider when choosing edtech tools and resources that will support their students and instruction. The first that comes to my mind is efficacy. Educators know to look for a research base behind the resources they use in their classrooms. But Nell Duke, professor of education at the University of Michigan in the US, warns that conclusions drawn from research are only as sound as the research itself. A teacher choosing a learning tool likely does not have the time to thoroughly investigate the research that each organization cites. To quickly gauge the impact that a tool can have on your students' learning, Examine testimonials from students and teachers who have used it. 
The quotes shared in sales presentations and ribbon across product pages often express excitement for features like earning points, watching entertaining videos, or raising a state test score. So look closely for indications that students have actually learnt something valuable. Check to see if there are testimonials where a student enthusiastically describes a new concept they learn, elaborating on how their perspective on an issue changed, or even mentioning what they are reading about, or what interesting problems they're learning to solve. Another key element in my mind is the student experience. Can you try the tool as a student would prior to committing? If so, explore the experience from the perspective of three different student personas. For example, an English language learner, an advanced reader, and a student with learning needs. When you look at the product from the perspective of a student persona, you might notice that there's no audio feature or captioning to support striving readers or language learners to independently access complex text. Or, when you play the audio, you might detect that the voice is robotic and unengaging. Or, maybe there's a human voice that reads with expression, but all the texts are read by people with the same regional dialect or accent, which is problematic when teaching through an equity and inclusion lens. When assessing from the students' perspectives, determine if this tool you are investigating will meet their varying needs, and if so, what protocols, modifications, or settings you'll need to put in place. When I think about a tool to use with students, I think of intrinsic motivation. While small rewards work to motivate students to complete basic tasks, incentivizing meaningful learning activities has the opposite effect. Yet, many edtech tools rely on features like points, badges, and even competition among peers to extrinsically motivate students to stay engaged. Celebrating students' progress with quantifiable measures can be helpful. But the progress celebrated has to be meaningful to the student. When exploring edtech tools, ask yourself these questions. Do students set the goals? Who guides them to set ones that are measurable and achievable? Do they get to choose when they see status updates? Or do dings and cheers confront them uninvited? Are these rewards a minor feature, outshined by the stimulating and relevant content the student is actually engaging with? Or... Are they the primary factor in motivating the student to participate? Extrinsic rewards can help some students initially engage, but then the stimulation offered by the content and learning activities should take over. When testing a program, consider the balance between extrinsic rewards and opportunities for students to cultivate intrinsic motivation to learn. Finally, one of the features that's important to me is the teacher experience. Does the tool add value to your role as a teacher? Does it inform next steps in teaching and learning? Is it flexible? Can it personalize learning? Does it produce useful reports to support student learning? Many programs struggle with these elements, and while engaging for students, they provide limited data to support the teaching experience. In some cases, a program's flaws can be addressed with ongoing training and coaching, so it's important to know from the start if the tool is so complex that expert training is needed in order for teachers to use it effectively. Before introducing digital learning tools to students, determine exactly how the technology will help you and add value. The most important resource for your students is to do your part well. I love what companies like the Education Alliance of Finland does in reviewing tools for educators and the work, of course, that the edtechimpact.com do. I also highly recommend that you explore Common Sense Media, as a tool to evaluate not only apps and websites, 
but also movies, shows and books. Both are great places to go as an educator to explore. I'd love to hear from you on how you're exploring the idea of assessing edtech efficacy. Please reach out with your ideas and thoughts. Every week, I bring you a short interview with some of my edu heroes, an engaging learning experience with someone who makes a difference in education every day, with a particular focus or angle towards educational technology. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Philippa Rathmau. Let's have a listen to the chat. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Philippa Rathmau, who you may know is at Mrs. Rathmau on Twitter. Philippa is an ADE, a digital learning specialist, and an active and inspiring online educator and sharer of learning. I've been connected with Philippa for many years, and I constantly learn a lot from her. She's based in Abu Dhabi in the UAE and is an aspiring head teacher. Philippa, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Are you ready to talk about education and technology integration? I am. Thank you so much for having me. What a wonderful introduction. Absolute pleasure. Let's go. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your current role and what inspires you to do what you do? So currently, I'm the Director of Digital Education at Cranley School in Abu Dhabi, and I came into that role about 18 months ago to uh, basically do a 360 degree turn on their uh, digital uh, learning strategy, to build a strategy to embed digital literacy and uh, to take their primary side of the school or their pre-prep and the lower prep to being a one-to-one device school, which um, quite in a whirlwind has actually happened within the last 12 months. Um, and it's incredible. And so I, um, um, my previous role as well was really similar. Um, basically, I support teachers in understanding why technology is so important um, and how we can use it to better understand the students in front of us, all of our learners, whether they are EAL or whether they are SEN, um, and be able to really kind of link those tangible things towards education and not just as a bolt-on. Um, so everything that I do really is about getting people to question why and what they're doing um, and and just getting the best out of technology for education. It's so inspiring what you've done and that journey must have been super rewarding as well. And I think you alluded to some of this, but what's your best advice for educators in relation to edtech? Yes, absolutely. I have alluded slightly to it. It's really is just is why I think um, the biggest thing that I've done in everywhere that I've worked and all the schools that I've been training in as well, because I do some work across the UAE with Apple um, as a specialist, it's just constantly questioning, but why are you using it? What is the, what's the real relevancy to having that specific application or using that reading platform or for you to be sharing that information with parents or students or whatever? Um, it's about what, what does it actually do? How does it benefit? And if I took it away, would they still be learning? Is it is it there? Is it important to what they're able to do to succeed as a child in that class? Or is it actually just there as a bit of a gimmick? And, you know, um, lots of this happens is, oh, but I've seen it work in this school and this school. So obviously it'll work here. And actually what we always need to question is, well, who are the students in front of us and who are the people that we are teaching and educating? Because they're the people that are important. You know, lots of applications are incredible but they don't necessarily always work for everybody's ecosystem. And it really has got to just be questioning. Um, And at the moment, very much iterating that question annually, if not termly, um, just saying, is that still working? Is that still the app that's that's the right app? Is it still worthwhile using that and having that time with it? Um, So really, it's just it's questioning um, constantly why it's being used. And that would be my biggest thing to any educator is, is if you look at what you're using, why are you using it? 
And uh, fantastic advice. And in the short time we've chatted already, you've shared a little bit about what you've done in your career, which is amazing. But what's your next big goal? What do you want to do or achieve that you haven't been able to do yet? So I think um, at the moment, I'm, I'm actually writing a book all about digital ecosystems in schools and about why it's so important. I have a lot of teachers that reach out to me and ask questions about, about how to integrate and about how to support their colleagues to understand about, I guess, why um, they should be using it and taking it more seriously in some respects. Um, I think obviously COVID has been an incredible support to educational technology um, and about actually making people realise that it's, it is quite critical to our, our, you know, 21st century learning and actually our future of learning and, and education. Um, and so that, I guess, is my big thing is, is actually getting that book written would be my next big goal and my big step. And my, my biggest goal and dream is really just to ha- is actually to have my own school and, and to just have lots of really quirky things going on that just really inspire learners. You know, I, I love that kind of concept of in the morning, they might have like lots of different challenges and projects they might be engaging with. But in the afternoon, actually, everybody's outside and we're building things and we're working together and we're, you know, tech goes down and actually you just use those interconnection skills that we have, those personal skills, and just really develop our own understanding of, of how humans connect. And uh, yeah, so not necessarily pie in the sky. I don't think anything is these days. Um, but yeah, that would be my dream. Yeah, wow, that sounds so cool. I, I love the sound of that. It's definitely a place I'd send my kids to. Now, you you haven't really talked about this yet, but I'm really keen to dive a little bit deeper about this. You've got a website that's pretty well known, designed to teach digitally. It's packed full of ideas and resources. What inspired you to start it? And what can we gain from engaging in your website? Yeah, so Design to Teach Digitally was from the concept that I'm a design and technology teacher at heart. Um, I actually have a fashion degree and um, and then went into education and it was it was about inspiring learners um, initially. So I guess in my concept, I am designed to teach with a digital element to me. And, and it was really about sharing the things that I've done and the challenges that I've been through and finding different things out, you know, like the cornerstones of your classroom, what works for you, um, and being able to kind of just really reflect on things. And I found it really useful. Um, When I moved over to the UAE was when I first really dived into um, the whole school element of digital technology. And I needed to understand why I was using it. And um, for me, as a parent as well, I was always questioning, well, is that the best for my children? Because if it's the best for my children, then it 100% is the best for everybody's children. Because, you know, as a parent, you want the best, you want them to have the best outcomes, you want them to have the most, you know, creative, adaptable things to help them to understand why education is so important and really inspire them. So I guess really, for me, it was quite cathartic. It was very much kind of, what am I doing? I'm evaluating it. And did it work? And if it worked, great. If it didn't, almost even better because actually how can I make it work how can you know is it something that we just go that's that's not something that's actually should be used in education or equally is it something that that actually maybe didn't work in this setting but could work for somebody else um so for me it was very reflective and um and I you know really enjoy the fact that people have been really enjoying um reading some of those different articles and and being able to kind of have their own ideas and, and share those that bits of information with me. Um, a lot of the information that I've been getting back is that it's been really helpful and supportive. But equally, I also love getting other people to write things on there. Like actually, one of the most popular um, blog posts is on there is about Kahoot, and it wasn't written by me, but that was kind of the point of it. Was I can write a lot, and you know, I could write about all sorts of things, but actually 
I don't just want my perspective. I want educators' perspectives. From in the last 12 years, from when I first started as a teacher, where everything was a closed book, everything was a closed door, and and my head of department made every single person write their own lessons and their own schemes of work because she didn't want to share them. I then have grown to love this concept that actually education is not like that. Education is about sharing. It's about collaborating and supporting one another. And and that really is kind of the whole concept of Design to Teach Digitally. It's, it's about sharing. It's about supporting. And it's just about trying to inspire people to think, I guess, a little bit differently about education and what it could be. It's a fantastic resource. And we'll make sure the link to it is in the podcast notes below. Let's dive into some quick fire questions. It's the first thing that comes to your head and a little brief explanation as to why. What is your hashtag one word for 2021? Uh, my word, I think last year was resilience. This year, my word is tangible. I absolutely love the word tangible. I think it's really clever, but also I think education has to be, and that helps us to adapt and develop. If we make sure that what we're teaching is really relevant to the current situation and the students in front of us and we make those links and create those links all the stronger learning will happen what's your favorite ed tech book or resource currently um i'm a little bit obsessed with teaching walkthroughs um it's called five steps to guide instructional coaching and there's a few different things reasons why um i think tom sherrington is is incredible anyway um but i also really like the way it's thinking differently and it's thinking much more about this concept of supporting staff and developing them as um leaders in their own um in their own classrooms in the schools and about not kind of having that pressure on somebody i mean the amount of times that have been told you know it's learning walks it's going to be you're going to be observed if you don't do well enough in this observation then you know you'll be put on x y and z project or course or somebody will have to monitor you and all those different things and that's really scary to teachers and to for the whole of the school to be told that and, you know, and it happens across the world, you know, we have to do these learning walks, it's really important. And then what do we get out of them? And potentially a lot of feedback from the staff that I've spoken to and, and schools that have worked in, lots of people go, no one even comes and talks to me about what I did or how it went well. And I think that idea of actually it being much more coach driven is really important. My last school specifically was very, was incredible. It was, it was uh, distributed leadership. And I loved one of the facts that now reflecting upon it is that everybody was able to give them the opportunity to be a coach and to be a mentor. And it didn't matter about hierarchy. You could potentially be mentoring the principal. The concept was that you were there to talk to them and talk about these ideas and concepts and share and, and challenge those objectives and, and question whether something went right or wrong or, or whether you believed it did or not. And, and actually education, again, it shouldn't be, oh, that was a terrible lesson for that five minutes that I was in there that didn't work. It should actually be that didn't work at that moment, but goodness, 10 minutes later when I'd realized that wasn't working and I'd done something else and I changed it or in the next lesson when I went back to it in a different perspective, it worked really well. And I'm really glad that I failed at that moment because now I've succeeded with those students. And I think that coaching mentality is incredible. And, and the book is just full of all sorts of different teaching and learning strategies, but equally that whole how as a, as a coach yourself, do you ask and and start to get those questions out of your staff? And how do you start to tweeze into those different concepts and ideas of, of just being able to make every little bit a little bit better? 
Yeah, that's really cool. And we'll make sure that's linked uh, in here as well. It sounds like a, a pretty inspiring resource. What's your go-to edtech tool that the listeners need to give a go? So this is really hard for me because I think for the last 12 months, I've been trying to get everyone to think much more simply. Um, and I think... Um, for me, it would be um, something like quizzes. Um, I have seen over the last 12 months and done case studies on it actually in our school. And I love those different little assessment tools. But for me, quizzes has been a real superstar of our learning, especially through remote learning. And actually having done learning walks with students recently, they have loved it as well. Apart from the fact that it's it's that quick fire quiz kind of st- style of, um, of being able to assess someone's learning, it also drives on that competitivity, but if you want to, and it also allows you to share that feedback and how well students have done um, with parents. It allows us to keep logs of it and track of it. It allows us to reassess. And one of the really cool things that I've, I've loved about the staff using it recently is so we used it in the beginning for things like spelling tests. And then we looked at it and went, okay, well, now if I add a spelling test and I add a voice recording with that, because we're remote, I can do what I would do in class where I go, okay, let's put that word into context for you before you spell it. And so we were doing spelling tests and just saw the increase in ability across the board on how that was helping and supporting that students could listen to it a couple of times and be able to answer that question. And then equally, more recently, we've been doing mental math tests. And students use their normal workbook and they will write down the answers and they're working out and then they'll put it into quizzes as their answer. And fantastically for the teacher, it's all marked for them. So it allows that time that's given back and our, our assessment is just so much stronger for it. But equally, we're still being able to balance it and use it with formal kind of, you know, they actually are still working it out. They're still writing things down on paper. And it's that balance and that development between. It's just really, it's been really, really great for our teachers to be able to have that sort of assessment and to be able to continually do it and really engage students that's not fully on screen. It's not always competitive. Um, and it's really reduced anxiety within our students. So I just think it's a really flexible tool. And if you were to have any job in the world, what would it be and why? I've been thinking about this quite a lot recently. And actually, one thing that I would just like to do is be able to go and and just support as many people as I can. Where we live at the moment and, and the job that I have is incredible because it supports my children to have um, you know one of the best educations and things like that. But actually, it would be incredible to be able to go back to kind of the roots of where I started teaching and, and the reason that I started teaching, which was to support those children who, who don't have everything and don't have you know, even some of the basic things. And I think going back to that style of teaching and that type of education system is what I would really like to be doing and really be drawn to is just helping support those who who really, really need, you know, the best educators who have the best thoughts at heart for them. I love that. That's, that's really, really important. Finally, Philippa, what's your favourite education-focused quote? Um, it says, don't miss out on something that could be great just because it could also be difficult. And I think that's just really key to education is actually, you know what, sometimes it feels like it will be the hardest thing in the world. But if we take it step by step, it's something that could be just incredible. Yeah, I love that. Philippa, you've given us so much information, so many links, ideas and inspiration. The listeners are going to want to connect with you. What's the best way for them to do that? So um, I frequent Twitter far too much than I probably should do. So it's at Mrs. Wraithmel. And I also have designed to teach digitally.com. Um, and I also do have an Instagram, but probably not as much on there. And it's also designed to teach digitally. Awesome. Philippa, thank you so much for your time today. It's been inspirational. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Next week, join me for episode 53 of the Ignite EdTech podcast, when I'm joined by Mandy Freilich and Jake Miller. One of the things I love doing is giving away prizes as a thank you for tuning in, listening, and hopefully following the Ignite EdTech podcast. Last week, I gave away an hour of consultancy with Ignite EdTech. To win, you needed to complete the form at bit.ly slash edtechwin. The winner has already been contacted directly by me, and it is Karen Ray. Congratulations, Karen. This week, I'm giving away another hour of consulting time with an Ignite EdTech team member of your choice. To win this prize, you need to go to bit.ly slash edtechwin and complete the simple form. It'll take you less than a minute to do. The link is in the description below. Competition closes on Wednesday the 9th of June, and the winner will be contacted directly by me and announced on next Friday's podcast episode. Good luck. Next week is our last What Is School Chat ever, and we want to go out with a bang. For the past eight years, I've been leading What Is School and being a part of an incredible community of educators. Over the years, we've been joined by thousands of people from all over the globe to learn develop and grow and next week will be the end of the chat after eight years it's time to move on from what is school and we want to go out with a bang so i'm asking each and every one of you to join us share it around your pln and help us celebrate the last eight years of learning developing and growing together i often get asked why are you shutting the chat down why not pass it on to someone else what is school has had an amazing experience over the last year and it's time to move on to bigger and better things. There are multiple other chats around, and I encourage you to join those. Thank you so much for your support. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for being an extremely important part of the Ignite EdTech podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please smash that follow button and share it with your colleagues, friends, and families. Please also remember to spend two minutes to rate the podcast so we can reach even more educators and edtech enthusiasts globally. Please share your favorite part of today's show by tagging me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And don't hesitate to ask me questions that I can answer in an upcoming episode. Remember, you have the chance to win as well. Check out the links in the description for more, and I'll see you again next week. If you liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode and be in the drawing to win prizes every week. If you know others that would enjoy the show, please hit that share button and brighten their day. Join us again next week for your weekly EdTech hit with at Mr. Kemp NZ. We'll see you again soon.